Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, Pastor Andy answers the question, why is it important to pass on your faith? Enjoy the message. I think it's helpful that we understand how we are going to be driven as a church. It's going to take an entire church community to achieve the mission God has for us. Now, uh, I don't know if you have children or grandchildren, or you can probably remember if you're a child yourself, uh, you might catch... Uh, your child or grandchild or maybe some of your babies, you might catch them uh, trying to mimic everything that you do. Maybe uh, they'll say the words that you say and, and you're thinking, oh, oh that's, that's a dangerous thing, okay? Yeah, we need to watch our mouth, right? Whether you have kids or we were all once kids, you know the impact of your parents or other significant adults on your life for the positive or for the negative. We have a generation that's looking and copying many things they see in culture today. And as we, and by the way, some of those things, many of those things aren't good things. But we, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, have the unique and awesome privilege of being able to show others Jesus through your words and through your actions. We need to be that example. We need to pass on our faith to this next generation. We are losing generations of people who have left the church that will never come back. Eight million people will leave the church this year alone, and many are leaving before the 30th birthday. Gen X and millennials are becoming spiritually homeless, these reports are saying. So passing on our faith, it's just not for to turn around and study. Passing on our faith it's for our sons, it's for our daughters, it's for our neighbors, it's for our coworkers, it's for our friends. Church is not just for us. Church is to be a bright, shining light. People go look at the lighthouse as symbolic. Well, I don't want us just to be a symbolic spiritual lighthouse. I wanna be a real lighthouse. Be a bright, shining light in this city. If we want a church of tomorrow, we need to start reaching the next, next generation today. Never, 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 never stop saying the gospel. Never stop preaching the gospel. Never stop sharing the gospel. But for this to happen, it will take an entire church. It'll take our entire church body. Now, I know someone might think, okay, when we talk about it takes an entire church, that, uh, that means we need to make everybody feel comfortable or accommodate all these preferences. No, that's not what I'm talking about because we'll all have different preferences. We'll all have different ideas how we're doing things. What I'm talking about is this, just making, let's, let's boil this down to the essential, and that is our faith. We need to pass on our faith. It takes an entire church to move forward in reaching and equipping the next generation. It takes an entire church to move forward. The Bible wants multi-generations to work together to pass on the faith together. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, and we'll start at verse one. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and keeping his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long, 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember the first house that Allison and I were on? There was a little thing in the door jam, and somebody, if you were to open up this, this little box that was on the door jam from a previous owner, you would find this verse. Uh, many uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish uh, individuals will put that on their door jams. This is a, a paramount passage for Orthodox Jews, but it's a paramount passage for us who are in Christ today. If it takes a whole church, then a proper attitude of awe and respect of God allows your eyes to be focused on his vision. A proper attitude of awe and respect of God allows your eyes to be focused on his vision. Let's take a look at verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. Now, this is a commandment. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. That are, that he's anticipating a time when they're going towards the promised land. And he's referencing back the commandment in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, which he explains what we would call commonly the Ten Commandments. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 5, we uh, see the list of the Ten Commandments. We're to serve no other gods. We're not to have any other idols. That is, place anything over the importance of God. We're not to take the Lord's name in vain. That means using God's name as an expletive. Uh, we're to observe the Sabbath day. That means we're to set aside time to, to uh, like we're doing today, uh, before God. We're to honor your father and mother. You're not to murder. You're not to commit adultery. You're not to steal. You're not to bear false witness or lie. And you're not to covet. That's, that means wanting some, some, uh, something that someone else has that you can't have. Maybe you want your neighbor's house. We can't have it. Or maybe uh, people that are, uh, their hearts aren't right and they wish that, Somebody else's wife is their wife or their husband. That's not right. That's not for you. Now, some people might think, well, I do pretty good with the Ten Commandments. In fact, I hear this often. I'm good enough. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm, I'm good enough. I, I don't murder anybody. But the standard isn't if we just don't murder anybody. The standard is, are we perfect or not? None of us are perfect. We all bring burdens. We all bring a baggage. But praise be to Jesus Christ that he's able to take away those burdens. He's able to take away that baggage. He's able to forgive us. But I've heard often, people's like, well, you know, I, I'm pretty good at the Ten Commandments. Well, Jesus has something to say about this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, he says this, We have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that, ev that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is upping the ante. He doesn't want us to try to say, oh, you know, I'll just obey the law and I'll get as close to sin as possible. What he's saying is, no, it's the heart. If you're angry with somebody, that's just as bad as murder to me. If you've looked at somebody lustfully, that's just as bad as adultery. And the question I often hear when I explain this to those that say, well, I think I'm good enough, 
They say, well, then who can be good enough? And the answer is nobody. No one can fulfill the Ten Commandments or the law. We are all guilty before God, but because God is so full of love and mercy, he sent Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, to die on the cross, to do what we could not do. We try to prove ourselves to God, we're gonna fail. But Jesus Christ, he can prove himself because he was sinless. He was God. He was able to bear the load of our sins. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How can that be? Because Jesus Christ went on the cross. You know, I've heard some people say, well, I'd die for people. Yeah, but guess what? You have sin on you. You can't pay for sin. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he's perfect. If the wages of sin is death, Jesus died on the cross, death couldn't keep him because he's sinless. He took our sin upon him and his righteousness through his righteousness, he rose from the dead. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is placed on you. That's amazing. It takes a heavy heart of how can we prove ourselves to God, but you can't. To wow. God can do the impossible. He can do what I cannot do. So Deuteronomy 6.1, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. The 10 commandments, commandments throughout scripture that is fulfilled through Christ. This is what every church that's gonna be faithful, they are going to teach Jesus Christ. They're going to share Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he rose from the dead, and it's free for the taking for all. Everybody say all. He he is free for all who place their faith in him. And I've heard before, Andy, you don't understand what I did previously in my life, or you don't understand the things I'm going through. Jesus does. And his sacrifice is able to bear it. But I've also heard people say, well, I don't need a sacrifice because... You know, I'm pretty good to people. I do good things. I donate a lot of money to charity or whatever. We all need him. All. John 1.12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, someone has asked before, well, Andy, if Jesus fulfilled all the commandments, then is the Old Testament or is the commandments, the Ten Commandments, are they valid for today? I mean, can we just forget about him and we're in Christ and grace and we can live the way that we want? Well, Paul says in Romans 6, 1, may it never be. You see, the law cannot prove our righteousness. The law cannot make us good enough. We can't say, well, I've, 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 uh, uh, I've lived through some of them. I've been able to uh, obey some of the commandments. No, rather, we live by the commands of Christ because of what Christ has done for us in response to who he is. In response to the love that he demonstrated for us. You see, a friend does not slap a friend in the face, nor will we slap God in his face when we realize what he did, the magnitude of his sacrifice. A church that's going to live out the mission of Christ will teach and live out these commandments. And we see here directly in verse one of Deuteronomy six that the leadership, that means the leadership of this church needs to model this so that we can all live by these commands. It's not that we should just know about the commands, but as we see that we may do them, that we may fear the Lord. Discipleship begins and ends with evangelism. 
So we need to be making disciples locally and internationally. That is the mission. God's word is going to deeply be relevant and apply to our lives. And we're going to make space for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And if necessary, sometimes stop us to realign us to what God is doing. The beginning of verse 2 of Deuteronomy 6 speaks of the fear of God, that we may fear the Lord your God. Now, when I was little, I, I feared God in the wrong way. When I was little, I thought God was this person that would strike me down with a bolt of lightning if I would, did something wrong. I remember one time in Iowa, well, this happens often in Iowa, there's, there's, we're in Tornado Alley, so we get a lot more severe thunderstorms in here. And every time the sirens would blare, and they'd blare regularly, I thought, oh no, God is here to smite me. I didn't obey my parents. Oh no, my, I, I hit my brother. Oh no, mom told me to clean my room and I didn't. And now this tornado is going to suck up all my toys. You know, like as a kid, I was really fearful of God. And that's, that's bad theology. God is not there to have a lightning bolt to strike you down. No, rather the fear of God is this, realizing who God is in light of yourself. It's realizing how awesome how amazing, how perfect, how all-knowing, how all-powerful God is compared to finite us. It, this fear that we see in this chapter, uh, the context of it brings about awe, wonder, something bigger that knows more than us. God should bring awe to our lips, awe to our composure. He is the definition of awesome. And if God seems distant to you, if he seems less than awesome, he's inviting you to have more of him in your life. When you spend time in the presence of God and understanding and experiencing who he is, you'll be compelled to love him more. You'll be compelled to love him more. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's the source of joy. Verse two, that you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's sons by keeping all his statutes and commands, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. It takes an entire church to move forward in reaching and equipping the next generation. A church that's gonna keep on mission must understand the mission, not just know about the mission, but to take part in it. The mission is not your personal preference, but your faith being lived out. And when you live out your faith, when the good news of Jesus Christ is lived out in our lives, it opens up for the possibility that there will be a next generation. And to reach the next generation, we must reach the next generation now. Your love of God keeps you focused on the mission. Your love of God keeps you focused on the mission. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. This is called the Shema. This is the passage of passage uh, for people in Orthodox Judaism. But Jesus repeats it again in the New Testament. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Interesting thing, in Judaism, they only believe in the Old Testament. Those that are more liberal theologically in Judaism, they don't live by the book. They're just cultural uh, Jewish individuals. They aren't teaching the word to their kids. And subsequently, they're becoming just like regular secular society. And they're not having kids. What the study's finding is those that are orthodox, those that are listening to chapter six, 
They're having a lot of kids, they're passing it down, and they're finding that generation after generation after generation are staying in Orthodox Judaism. And they're saying if this trend continues, Orthodox Judaism will be the majority of the Jewish people in New York City within a couple generations. I think we can learn something from that. I think we can learn something that if we pass down our faith that we see the complete picture of Jesus Christ, something amazing can happen. Something amazing can happen in a culture that brings us question marks every day. The more we love God, the things that he loves, the more we think like God, the more we will fear God. God is not asking us to do something out of dry duty. We're not here today saying, okay, I gotta do this. I gotta punch my time card. God, I hope you love me. It's not that we must worship and obey God because we're fearful of being punished. No, rather, it's because we have a grand privilege of knowing and experiencing our God. Our worship for God short circuits into dead religion when we stop loving God. Verse four, we say that Israel, and by extension, God's church, is to, own, is to worship only the true God, and God wants, he desires our exclusive love for him. When our love is directed to something else, when we make something else into an idol, our love for God will diminish and become veiled. In verse five, we see, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. The heart in Deuteronomy speaks of the center of emotions. God wants our emotions. God wants what we're passionate about. Oftentimes, when we are not thinking of God or if God does not have the throne of our life, our passions can be misspent. They can be sent different places that just seem kind of odd. And they might not be bad passions, but we're overly passionate at the expense of God with those things. So the heart speaks of emotions, our passions. Our passions should be guided by the love and truth of who God is. Loving God with our soul speaks to loving God with our will or our character. And our might is giving God control in all what we do. Does our entire lives reflect that? Do we put our strength reflect that? We need to be single-minded in our devotion to God. And as a church, we need to be single-minded in devotion to his message. Is there something short-circuiting your whole devotion to God this morning? It could be something that in itself is not bad. Or it could be something that's very destructive. But anything that we place above our passion for God will be destructive. Where are you spending your passions? What guides you in your life? Do you know God? Have you accepted Christ as your savior? And if so, is Christ, the reality of a risen God, reflective in your life? Has your reality changed? Do you have a heart to see the next generation come to Jesus Christ, to live in Jesus Christ, to carry on their faith to that next generation? Do you have a heart to see Christ Church make a vital difference in this city? in the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people in Kenosha. It does not start with pointing a finger and saying, yeah, they need to do more, they need to do more. It starts with drawing a circle, stepping in that circle and saying, God, use me. God, your will, not mine. God, use me to pass on my faith, not my preference, but your message. Mission is not sustainable without a love of God. And your love of God keeps you focused on the mission. His mission is not anything but go and make disciples. It takes an entire church to move forward in reaching and equipping the next generation. You must have a commitment to reach the next generation now to see a mission realized later. I've seen organizations where they talk about, we want to reach the next generation, we want to reach the next generation. Ten years later, they're still talking about in, the, in future tense, we want to reach the next generation. Well, if we want to reach the next generation, we need to start doing it now to see a mission realized later. Six verse seven you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
And he shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you sh and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the beauty of God's church. If your heart is beating and you have lungs that are breathing out air, God has given you a mission. He's given you to pass on your faith to the next generation. And it takes an entire church for us to see this happen. God equips the older to endow the younger. I'm not talking about student ministries or kids' ministries exclusively. I'm talking about young parents. I'm talking about those engaged or maybe those that are single. Those that are so desperately in need of encouragement for those who've been in the faith longer. This is beautiful. It's not just singly saying, okay, well, let's go reach the young people. This is, we're all in this together. We are going to be able to see when God calls us home in our second coming, we've been active. Jesus, we've been active in making sure you are glorified, to make sure that your message is passed on, to make sure people are born again, well beyond my coming home. This is a beautiful thing. About close to 50% in Kenosha County is 34 and under. And if we look at other uh, stats, the biggest church in town is the bar. We want to see this generation one for Jesus. They're looking for something they're not going to get in the bar. They're looking for their spirits they call it spirits. They're looking for their spirits to be calmed. But the only sustainer and calm in our heart this morning is Jesus. Currently, we're at risk of losing an entire evangelical generation with up to 33% of millennials saying they are now religiously unaffiliated. And some studies say, oh, that's okay. That's just the you know, main lines that are leaving. No, no, no. As we look at some of the stats, these are people that grew up in evangelical churches. We cannot turn a blind eye to the next generation as an entire church. We must be willing to pass our faith on. First and foremost, foremost to our families, to our kids, we need to pass on our faith. And we need, we need to be able to meet them where they're at. It's exactly what Jesus did. He got accused of a lot of things because he went to where those that needed, that were sick, what he said. Psalm 78, 5 through 8 says this, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a new, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. We need to pass on the faith so the next generation and the next generation, the next generation, the next generation until Jesus comes back is passionate for Jesus and people are being, being born again coming to know the saving faith in Jesus. Our church must be a Deuteronomy 6 church, passing our faith on to others. God is jealous for his church. He's so jealous for our affections. And you know what? People are like, oh, that's a bad thing, jealous. No, this is a good thing because this is his. If you have a spouse this morning and somebody tried uh, hitting on your spouse, that would make you jealous and rightfully so because that's not their spouse. This is God's church. And he's so jealous, righteously jealous for his church. The Savior has come to rescue and he's the answer to all life situations you live in. It takes an entire church to move forward in reaching and equipping the next generation. Deuteronomy 6.12, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of a house of slavery. The key phrase I want us to look at here is do not forget. So often in the busyness of life, we can forget what God has done or what God is doing or why we even meet as a church. Do not forget. Do not forget. Do not forget in the busyness 
Because when we do forget, our passions get misaligned. And misaligned passion leads to misuse of time or, or, or money or talent. Imagine with me where we have stories of people where God has rescued them from a narrative that was hopeless. Imagine with me marriages healed, emotional scars healed, people together experiencing joy they haven't experienced in years. This is my dream, but I believe it's the Lord's dream too. It takes an entire church to move forward in reaching and equipping the next generation. Just realize this, nobody's perfect. We've all sinned, we've all done wrong. Jesus Christ wants your affection this morning. He came 2,000 years ago, fully God, fully man, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says this, when we place our faith in him, when we believe that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God rose him from the dead, we will be saved. You will be saved. It's an individual thing you must do. Nobody else can do it for you. And so as we close uh, this message out today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. And for everybody in this room today, I'm gonna pray that God gives you the opportunity that he places somebody on your mind and to think of it as somebody's soul, somebody's life, that right now they may be estranged from Jesus or maybe they're disconnected from church. We're not asking you to become the next Billy Graham. We're just asking you to faithfully, gently pass on your faith. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.